I could have fallen apart when I started to gag <laughs> and I could have fallen apart mentally, you know, and gone. Um, and my mind probably really wanted to go, oh, you idiot. Why did you miss the last drink stop? Why did you just, mm. you know, um, throw down that drink so fast? You should have carried it for longer. You know, that was dumb. And, you know, like all of these horrible things Mm. um they're not very helpful (laughs) um but but they'd be quite normal in that moment Mm. um but for me it was about being aware and and going no I'm good like breathe it out and here we go how do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back. Or if it's your first time today, welcome to What's Right Within. I'm Rory Darkins. And in today's episode... We're going to be shining the spotlight on our co-host, Eloise Wellings, who is calling in from London, where she has just finished the London Marathon. This was Eloise's first marathon, her debut, and her time of two hours and 29 minutes with some change is the fastest ever debut marathon by an Australian runner. Finishing a marathon is a serious achievement, but to do your first one in record time, that's quite something. And in this conversation today, we're going to learn from Eloise what her experience of of that event was like, how it compared to what she thought it might be like. And and we're going to unpack some nuggets of wisdom that have emerged for her from taking on the probably the biggest challenge in um in running you know the marathon is is essentially the pinnacle of the sport um it's such a, a brutal distance and we look forward to hearing about the uh the entire journey that she has been on with with that and kicking off the stage of her career so Eloise I've got some questions that you don't know about as usual and Great. also we've had some, <laughs> question, some questions come in from, from people who watch you race and, you know, we're going to um, explore what that experience was like. Less than 24 hours ago, you stood on the starting line to take part in your first marathon. And as of now, having run 42.2K for the first time in your career, how are you feeling? Um, well, I'm tired. Oh, really? <laughs> um, no, I feel actually <laughs> surprisingly, it's surprising, isn't it? Um, yeah, like I feel just honestly, I, I feel really relieved. Um, I think I, you know, there was obviously a lot of uncertainty around um how it was going to go and, you know, being my first one. And 
not really knowing what I was doing. And um, I mean, knowing what I'm doing, like I've, I kept telling myself, I've been putting one foot in front of the other as fast as I can for the last, you know, 30 years, basically. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a different beast, the marathon. And I've, I've heard it's a different beast. And I, I guess I felt a little bit intimidated. Um, so yeah, now that I've, I've run one and I've like accomplished it and I finished and, you know, I, you know, all of the things that popped up in my head around, um, you know, catastrophizing and how, how it could go wrong. Um, you know, none of that came to pass and, you know, I was able to lay down a, a, a race that I felt, I feel really proud of. And um, yeah, I just feel really relieved that it went well and, you know, that it is um, certainly like the start of um, the rest of my running career. Yeah. And for those that maybe aren't all that familiar with running as a sport, it's a pretty big deal, right? To go from racing, you know, 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters to, you know, running a race that's four times that or eight times the 5k and, and some, you know, like it is, it's the same sport, but it's a different sport in a way. Right. And um, I'm interested to explore what, what made you decide to take on the marathon? You know, you've achieved almost everything there is to achieve in, in your sport across many different distances. What was it about the marathon that um, captured your interest and, and made you feel like it was the right thing for you to move into now? I think a couple of things. I think I was defi- I've definitely um, been waiting for the desire to do it. <laughs> um, and you know I've always thought that if you have the desire to do something then you're more likely to overcome the challenges and the setbacks that you know whatever that process whatever that goal brings um, and that journey brings but yeah certainly the desire has come up in the last probably two years and then when I had a chance to have one last crack at the Tokyo Olympics um and the marathon was, you know, the marathon, marathon team was all but wrapped up. You know, we've got some incredible depth in female distance, you know, in female marathon running um, at the moment in Australia. And so, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, my best chance is still on the track, um, which is why I did that to try and make Tokyo. But as soon as, um, you know, that was decided for me, I guess I, yeah, wanted to, to pivot and to um, challenge myself and in a different way. And, you know, I think probably it's definitely been a huge challenge because familiarity is so easy. Um, and so to have, you know, to change, um, to move up has been like, yeah, a challenge in itself, not even before just doing the training and, and, you know, but I think, um, yeah, like I said, I, I feel mostly the main emotion that I feel is, is kind of relieved because, um, you know, I've done it and I know that I can do it and, and, and do it well. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what's next. And 
yes, I think I was just looking for a new challenge, a new stimulus, a new goal, um, something that was different to what I've done before. And, um, and it's also, I guess, for a distance runner, especially for five and 10 K um, runners, it's a natural progression to move up um, in distance. It's, you know, pretty widely known that your endurance can improve as you get older. And um, yeah, I wanted to test that out for myself. Yeah. And, you know, seeing you, so it was only um, a few months ago that you were trying to qualify for the 5,000 meters for the Tokyo Olympics. And obviously you just missed out there. Um, Going from that disappointment to having the opportunity and also taking the opportunity to to move up to the marathon like how did you go about that transition um because that that can't have been easy to to you know to just overnight you know um shift the goalposts and commit to doing the hardest thing you could probably do right i yeah i think i think i because i already had it in my mind that 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 was going to be the next step um, that I would that I would move up. I was kind of ready um, mentally to to change and to um, to start you know to start a new goal. And I think yeah, I took a, I, I took about a week. You know, like I wasn't I didn't just miss out on Tokyo. I was I was definitely um, <laughs> I was definitely further away from the qualifying time that than. Um, than I'd hoped to be that my training had shown and yeah that was it was disappointing because I really I really did believe that if if I had a you know ran out of my skin that I I would be able to to run the time and um, I wanted to give myself that chance and yeah when that didn't work out I took about a week to kind of process that and process all those feelings that come along with failing and falling short and um and then you know eventually you get to a point where you're like well what next and I guess I've done that a few times in my career so far and usually it's got something to do with injury um but thankfully this time it was just you know simply just wasn't wasn't fit enough um wasn't you know didn't wasn't fast enough to to go for the 5k and so, you know, I was able to keep running. And I guess that's a blessing in itself too, is that, you know, running helps me process so much of the results and, you know, it helps an athlete going out and actually doing, doing the sport that we love to do um, actually helps you process, you know, an outcome or result or, and helps you to move forward in a way. And so just jogging around for a week, um, you know, helped me to process you know, the work that I'd put in and I guess be um, celebrate the effort that I'd put in since, you know, since I had Sunny um, because essentially the work, the work for Tokyo um, started essentially, um, you know, three weeks after I had Sunny and, um, yeah, there was obviously a lot of sacrifices involved Um in, in getting back into it and, you know, I wouldn't change anything and 
there's definitely no regrets. Um, but yeah, like there's obviously the, the it's necessary to have that that few days where you're just um, allowing yourself to feel all of the feelings that come come with um, disappointment and um, and yeah, well, what what I saw is you know falling short and um, but yeah, it wasn't too long before um, before I was able to you know switch my um, turn my mind around and um, and start looking at the marathon and a lot of that comes from you know like I was I just be able to talk it out with Johnny um, you know and with you on runs Rory and with Nick my coach and just um, yeah just trying to process everything and then and then move on yeah and I, I remember at the time you had a real um intentionality about turning pain into purpose and Mm. um that was like almost a mantra i I remember for you in those those weeks where you know uh, it's probably how it set the scene a little bit for the marathon you've just run and and um the context of of just what an achievement it, it was because not long after that attempt to make tokyo COVID hit um again in new south wales and we were suddenly in lockdown and restricted and and where we could go and the training that you could do and um you know, i remember in those weeks um you, you started dreaming of a new goal but didn't actually know what that goal was going to be um because there were no you didn't have the ability to to travel interstate for races and races were getting cancelled and international travel wasn't um wasn't um too much of an option at the time and you know how did you sustain yourself with your training in that period of time when the goalposts were a little bit fuzzy still before the opportunity of London really came into full view yeah it was interesting because like obviously when you know when I decided to to run a marathon I set my sights on the Blackmore's Sydney Running Festival and thought that would be a great debut because you know it's obviously Sydney's obviously my hometown and then yeah as you say COVID hit um in Sydney and we went into lockdown and then um Blackmores unfortunately had to be cancelled and then you know then I was going to run Melbourne and then you know Melbourne went into lockdown and then Sunshine Coast um but then the borders were closed so yeah it was pretty much impossible to do a marathon um in Australia uh and then yeah, there was a couple of weeks where I was like, what, what am I training for? You know, I was, I was training, still training for a marathon, but didn't know which one, um, where, and, you know, how far away that would be, how long, um, it would be until I got to actually line up. And it was the first time in a long time that, that I've just purely run, just for the love of it, it like ceased to become work because it didn't seem like I was working towards anything. Um, so obviously running's, you know, my job as well. It's, it's my passion, but it's also my job. And so it, because I didn't feel like I was working towards anything, it, it was just purely my passion. And I just remember, um, yeah, I remember being at the track and, and feeling like really free uh, about it because I was just like, I'm here because I, I want to be here. I don't know, you know, when um, things are going to open up. I don't know when I'm going to get the opportunity, but 
at some point um, the door is going to open and I want to be ready. And um, that's kind of how I went about it. And, you know, obviously there were days, some days where I was like, ah, <laughs> um, you know, when, and you, you know, you get a little bit impatient, but um, thankfully it wasn't, it wasn't too long before um, my coach, Nick, um, was able to find me, um, was able to, uh, you know, talk to London Marathon um, organisers and, and get me into London. And, and then it was just a matter of jumping all of the hoops to um, be able to leave Australia. Um, and, yeah, I, I kind of held it, held on to it really loosely, to be honest, and, until up until probably two weeks before it became real. Um, and I did that because there were so many, so many things that had to go my way with getting an exemption and um, finding a flight and, you know, um, all the COVID testing and all of the boxes that you have to tick basically to, to travel internationally right now. And, um, yeah, so I just was holding it really loosely, but, um, yeah, really hoping that I would, I would be able to get the opportunity. And so I already feel like even landing in, you know, in London 10 days ago, I already felt like I'd kind of already won, you know, like I'd, I'd already run, I'd already run the, um, the administrative, um, marathon to get here. And then it was just about coming and really enjoying the race and, um, you know, the actual marathon and, and yeah, just laying it all out and, and seeing what I could, what I could do. Yeah. And, and what you could do, it turns out that, um, you know, you've just run a, an Australian record for a debut marathon. So, you know, no one, no, no female in Australian running history has run a quicker first marathon than you've just run. Was that something that, you know, was even on your mind going into this? Um, not really. I, I, I didn't have a look, at, you know, tend not to look at everyone else's times, but, um, you know, I just wanted to focus on my own thing. I think, I mean, there's a little bit that's changed, obviously the shoes that's changed over the, over the years. And so I have that definitely have that going for me, but yeah, totally humbled by that stat. And, um, you know, really excited that I know that I have more in me and um, that it's just the beginning. And I always thought that this would, this first one would be, you know, the foundation, basically the springboard of which that I'll, you know, um, use to kind of, you know, direct the rest of my marathon career and, you know, um, yeah, so it's really exciting and, as I said, relieving to be um, to have it done and to know what it feels like. And I'm not, I'm sure, you know, <clears throat> I'm under no false pretenses that every marathon is going to feel the same. Mm. Um, it has been great having Sinead Diver here as well, and you know, um, she was obviously tenth um, in the Olympics just recently for Australia in the in the women's marathon and. Um, yeah, just learning so much from her and her experience over the distance. And then, um, yeah, Charlotte Perdue also um, on our Melbourne Track Club team, just to have them um, to hang out with all week and kind of ghost them has been, um, yeah, so great to, 
yeah, just settle the nerves and to, yeah, like um, chat with them and ask questions and um, laugh about silly things and, um, you know, be vulnerable enough to tell each other what we're worried about and, you know, it makes you all feel really uh, normal in a way um, because everyone's kind of, um, you know, none of us are, I guess, immune to the um, the thought processes that come inevitably when you're coming into a high-pressure situation or a high-pressure race and something that's um, meaningful to you, right? Like you start to get nervous and, um, yeah, like I said before, you might start to catastrophize and, um, to have a laugh at those things and to keep things light, it just, there's like real power in that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's been something that I'll remember, I think for the rest of my days is having, is doing this, um, this week with those two girls and, um, so incredibly, um, like proud and happy for Charlotte in particular, who ran a two plus minute PB yesterday and um yeah third third best marathoner ever uh, that Britain has ever had um only two women have ever run faster than Charlotte now and um yeah she was unjustly left off the Olympic team I believe unjustly and I had a lot of to say about that at the time and um yeah I was just I'm just so um in awe of how she has handled um, the last couple of months and how she's turned that around and um, yeah she just ran so freely yesterday she didn't feel like she had anything to prove um, and she she did what we knew that she was you know she's been capable for um, of all along and um, yeah she's amazing and so happy for her yeah that was it was awesome to watch there's so many stories within that marathon itself um obviously your story and charlotte and and so many others um you mentioned you know feeling a sense of vulnerability going into your first marathon and um you know help us to understand what it was feeling like for you when you were thinking about what was coming up you know in the days and weeks leading in um what did it feel like and and what what were you thinking about um, I think I was, I mean, so many times when we were out on runs raw, I would, I would just pipe up and go, I wonder what it's going to feel like. I wonder <laughs> what it's going to feel like. I think that there was this, there was this like real question mark about what it was going to feel like. And if I've ever been through that much pain, you know, before in um, my running career or in a race or, you know, Charlotte asked me on the bus on the way back to the hotel, what's worse, childbirth or marathon running? <laughs> um, and it's still childbirth, by the way. Um, <laughs> not to scare her off. But, um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, you can't compare the two, to be honest. But, yeah, I think, um, I forget the question. Sorry, <laughs> I've had 50 minutes sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean sorry now i remember oh yeah there's, there's so many questions and so much uncertainty so i think that uncertainty leads to you know all these questions and you, they're, they're actually questions that you can't answer and i think when you try to answer them that's where the danger go, the danger is because if you're trying to answer um i wonder if i can do this 
um, two weeks out, mm. um, you're about to start your taper and you're trying to answer that all the time, it, it kind of plays into your, you know, you physically, like you'd be out on a run and, you, you know, you'll want to start running at race pace just to see how that feels. And, um, you know, you might want to push your long run more just to see if you can do it. And you're forever looking for some sort of feedback. And I think there's, you know, there's merit to that, but there's also, there's a danger in that. I think that you've, at some point you've just got to trust um trust the process and I know it's so it's been said so often over the last few years I see it on Instagram all the time but it's so um you know it's so true you you have to trust the process and you know I I did 12 weeks of you know what we would call like immaculate training I didn't miss a beat um and and yeah I just needed to trust that I had it in me to um to be able to make um make the distance and also um do it in a a time that I was you know proud of and um that would set me up Mm. and yeah so I think trying not just I guess when those questions came up I was just aware of them and 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 just curious about the answer and that's what I was doing it's kind of like well I'm going to find that out on race day (laughs) you know so not trying to answer all those questions before before the race because obviously you're never going to get the full answer until you cross the finish line and um, it's incredibly draining mentally to try and answer all those questions before, um, before you actually do the event. So I think just trusting in the process of your training and then trusting in the process of the actual race. And I needed to kind of hone in on my mental game. And obviously I was a little bit, um, I was, to be honest, I was a little bit scared about being inside my own head for so long. Like I've, I've, I've done half marathons, you know, over and over, but this is double, double the time. And I know I'd heard of, I'd heard about so much about 30 K, you know, 25 K, like it's easy up until 25 K, you know, like all these, um, all these messages of like, you know, you have no idea how hard that sort of last 10 miles is, um, and so I definitely had a very, very healthy respect for the last half of the race, which is probably why I um, paced myself. I went out super conservatively and um, I probably overcompensated, to be honest, in my head about how much it would hurt in the last, um, the last 10K because um, definitely I was hurting and... Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't beyond what I could cope with. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned curiosity and, and how, you know, when you can't control the outcome, you know, and you haven't been in a certain, like there's uncertainty and, and risk, and you're not quite sure what's going to happen, how helpful being curious is, as opposed to trying to, um, you know, gain that sense of control over something that you can't fully control. Um, I think that's such a, a powerful point. And, and one of the ways in which probably the marathon is like a metaphor for life, because, you know, in life, there's so much that we can't control and so many 
unknowns and so many, you know, like, Oh, what, what, I haven't done this before, you know, a particular thing or, you know, not knowing exactly what the future is going to bring. And I think um, it's so natural for our minds to want to predict and want to control and, and kind of want to know what, um, know what, what is going to going to be around the corner, but some of the best things in life are revealed when, you know, you kind of lean in with curiosity and um, step into that kind of uncharted territory. And so I think there's a lot that we can learn um, about, you know, how to move forward in a uncertain, you know, into uncertainty when from how you stick to the process with the marathon. And so that's probably um, leads into a question that we've, we've had asked, which is, when like where does your mind go over those 42.2 kilometers you know like are you taking in the surroundings or like what's actually coming up in your in your mind in that time and how do you manage that in a way that helps you to um, get the best out of yourself over such a distance yeah i mean it's a really good question because like i said i was that that was a question that i was a bit afraid of of being being in my head for that amount of time but you know like you and i raw talked before the race um and you know we talked about kind of being um just really relaxed in the first half and and i think to me that that looks like noticing things and um, you know, being not necessarily like zoning in um, really intensely because it doesn't, we're not, I'm not really having to focus on um, necessarily trying to distract myself from pain because it's, it's not that painful yet, um, but that's coming. <laughs> and so I'm kind of saving that mental um aptitude or like that mental energy for um that last half of the race and so yeah certainly like the first the first half um halfway is actually just um past tower bridge and tower bridge uh was so loud and charlotte actually warned me um of you know how raucous and how loud the crowd is and it was absolutely incredible like it's part of the reason why i loved the race so much is because there was just so many people lining the streets and obviously like I've come from three months uh, three plus months of lockdown in Australia and you know barely seeing you know five of my closest friends in the last in the last three months um but and you know we've only allowed to run with one other person and um, all of these other restrictions and rules um, because of what what we're going through um in New South Wales but we yeah like getting into the race it was just so surreal to have you know the streets lined from start to finish um and over Tower Bridge obviously it's a you know famous monument in in the famous bridge in um London and it was eight to ten people deep and all like screaming their lungs out and it was just really really loud and almost a bit overstimulating <laughs> but um but yeah I just tried to embrace it um embrace the energy that the crowd was giving and um and yeah just like after halfway I remember just really starting to you know my mind was you know when I was physically getting tired I knew that my, I would have to 
then start to um, really focus my mind on staying as efficient as possible, staying, um, you know, doing all of my tech talk, um, you know, focusing on just relaxing my breathing as much as possible and, you know, breaking the race down as much as I could, not thinking about um, too much about how far to go because that can become overwhelming as well. It's just, you know, almost drink station to drink station and using the drink stations to um, propel me forward as if, you know, as if I was, um, yeah, like literally we are basically going through a fuel stop, um, yeah. except we're not stopping. <laughs> um, yeah, you obviously running on through, but just, um, yeah, breaking it down in my mind and just trying to run in between each drink station as efficiently as possible. And yeah, I did that. I did that pretty well. I thought up until um, probably th I missed the. I actually probably did it too well because once the pacemaker pulled out, Michelle Finn um, and Jessica Judge, um, they did just such an incredible um, and Jeep as well. We had we had three pacemakers in the end. Um, they did such an incredible job up front of setting the pace for us early, and you know I was obviously heavily reliant on them. To, um, to just make me aware that the, of the drink stations every five kilometres because once they pulled out, I actually missed um, the next drink station, which was I think it was, um, it was either 25 or 30K. Um, and I once I realised I panicked a little bit because I was like, eh, I kind of need that. Um, I kind of, you know, and obviously being my first one, I'm like, well, it's never happened, you know, I, like I don't know how I should be feeling right now um, and if this is normal. <laughs> and so at the 35K mark, I had a drink that I had only planned to kind of um, swish around in my mouth, to be honest, because um, that tricks your brain into thinking that you've, um, that you're giving it, that you're giving your body energy, especially if you, if you don't necessarily need to hydrate at that point, if you've had all the other drinks, but because I'd missed one, I just sculled the whole thing um, in about 15 seconds and I threw the bottle and, um, and then it, about literally like 10 seconds later, I started gagging for about, for about 150 meters. And I'm laughing now because there was so many people with their phones out and like I've gone from like I feel like I was running like a robot, you know, and to like probably flailing a bit and like, you know, sticking my neck out and gagging. And um, I've got a car. Someone sent me a couple of photos this morning. I might post them later um, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and it was just after that moment. So I've still got I've still got a like a look of, um, you know, I'm just definitely trying to hold You're hold a um, vomitron down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I managed to rally again. Um, so I do feel like I lost a bit of time in that in that 35 to 40 um, K just from yeah, thinking that, oh gosh, I'm I'm gonna throw up here. Like, do I do I stop and do it or do I keep running and do it? Or like do I just <laughs> and in the end I just you know, swallowed it back a couple of times, took a couple of deep breaths, um, used my breathing to um, to just, yeah, try and relax as much as I could. 
and and get back on pace and yeah manage to rally and unfortunately you know in the end it was it was that um it was probably around I lost maybe 10 to 15 seconds which was um the time that I needed to qualify for the world championships but you know, I'm not too disappointed about that. I know that I'm going to get another opportunity and, um, uh, yeah, to, to run that time. I ran the, the Commonwealth Games qualifying time um, by a few minutes, which is exciting. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was that. I don't remember the question <laughs> and uh, if I answered it. But... I'm, I'm really loving how, um, you know, how we're getting the, the raw and real account and also in recalling the stuff, like it's so fresh and so vivid that you forget the question. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, so I've just got this image of you feeling as green as could be running towards the end there um, because you missed your drink. Um, but, you know, that, that actually does lead quite nicely into one of the questions that were sent in, um, which was about... Um, how how do you motivate yourself or what do you do with your mind when it gets really hard um and so i'm not sure whether that was the moment that it got really hard it sounds pretty hard to me but um you know how do you get the best out of yourself in those moments uh yeah i think it's just coming back to um process and just focusing on what what you can control so in that moment when i thought i was going to throw up I couldn't necessarily control that I was you know whether the outcome would be that I was going to vomit or not but I could control my breathing and maybe that would help or you know I could um you know obviously I had to slow down a little to just to to do that and to to compose myself and um and then once I knew it was gone just then getting back in you know into the zone like that like it never happened mm. um and almost trying to stay really unemotional about it too because I knew that I'd lost I'd lost a little bit of time and I wasn't actually sure um my watch was a bit out and I wasn't actually you know sure at, at any point in the race to be honest I relied heavily on the pacemakers to be doing the right pace um I wasn't positive at any point what time I was on um, for the full marathon so um, yeah I I guess just trying not to not to panic and just trying to um, you know come back to okay um, what what can I do now I can you know relax my shoulders I can relax my breathing you know tap 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 <laughs> and um yeah, just come back to all of the the tech talk that I use so that um, to stay as efficient as possible and um, and yeah, that's 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 what I did. And I mean, if that's if if that if that ceases to work, then I would switch it around. You know, there's been races and there was probably times yesterday where um, you know. I needed a little break from all of the technical talk and, and just the, you know, there was, there was times that I did um, in this, in the last half momentarily, you know, listen to what somebody said to me on, you know, in the crowd and, you know, um, there was a live music playing, um, there was music playing all along the course, but there was actually a stage set up 
and um, and there was uh, a a singer an artist um, singing and I was like you know I was just singing along in my head when I passed I actually can't remember the song I wish I did um, but I knew the song and um, I knew the words and I was just singing along and then um, you know I'd come back to the tech talk and just stay stay as efficient as possible and um, yeah that was yeah. that's it yeah and is that is that stuff that um you practice because i know obviously it's really difficult to completely simulate um the 35th k of a marathon um but like the what you do with your mind and how you bring yourself back to what you can control like is that stuff that you're actively you know training and and do you have any advice around how people could you know, train this stuff um, before they go out and, and run their marathon, you know, whether that's a literal marathon or a metaphorical, you know, whatever that marathon might mean to, to someone um, in anything in life. Yeah, 100%. It's important to, to, to practice and to train it. Um, it's really hard to come up with new things to think in the moment of pain and in the moment of suffering and so if you've already practiced what you're going to think and the things that work for you when you're suffering, then you're automatically going to go back to those things um, when, you know, when the big dance is on mm. and it's not going to take as much energy to think about it. And it's not, you, you know, you're going to be sure that it, it works for you um, mm. because you practiced it in training and, you know, raw, like I've, scare the heck out of you when I've talked like that's the other thing I do I speak in third person <laughs> every now and then and I'm just I just like I almost like just cheer myself on I like to yeah. tell myself and yesterday I did that actually um embarrassingly enough it, I can't remember I was probably I was close to 28 or 29 kilometers um and you know our loop that we do at home is uh, we call it Mario Kart, as you know. And I yelled out to myself, it's six laps of Mario Kart. And I, come on, Eloise, it's six laps of Mario Kart. And I'm sure the people on the side do, do not have a clue what I was talking about. But, um, you know, it, help, it helps me every now and then to, like, talk to myself in third person and, you know, as if I'm um, coaching myself through it and, um, it helps, like, as you say, regain a little bit of control of the situation. And um, yeah, it, it helps amongst the suffering. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, such a cool example. And, um, you know, I think it, it really illuminates the fact that, you know, we, we speak to ourselves more than we speak to anyone else. And that the way we speak to ourselves is completely trainable and you know it's a skill and I think what your your example shows the difference between the thoughts that you have and the thoughts that you choose to add and so often I think you know we get stuck thinking that well we can't control our thoughts which is true like we can't control every thought we have like you can't control the thoughts that come up but you can control the thoughts that you choose to add 
or how you choose to yeah. kind of, you know, relate to the thoughts that come up and, and what you choose to add on top of that. And, you know, what you're talking about there is a great example of, you know, noticing that your mind's sort of going somewhere that's not as, as helpful and, um, and choosing to speak to yourself in a way that sounds like, you know, you're coaching yourself, you know, it's like you've got this inner coach that you, you know, um, that you're drawing on in those times. And the, the self-talk that you're adding is um, grounded in reality. And so it's really believable. Like, you know, that you can trust that you can do that because you've done it before. And so I think that's such a great example of, you know, the type of self-talk that we can train so that we can rely on when we need it most um, that's grounded in reality, but is, is really helpful. And, um, you know, we're, we're speaking to ourselves, like, you know, like we're coaching someone. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, yeah. I mean, the, there's, there was that. And then there's, uh, there was one other thing that I did yesterday that, um, in hindsight, I found really interesting. And I've done this before. It's when you have a certain amount of, um, yeah, like a certain amount of time or distance to go and you think about somewhere that you really love to run and that you always feel really good. Um, and for me, it was, um, it was, you know, it was that part for Mario Kart. Um, but then at three miles to go, there's this three-mile uh, sorry, two miles to go, there's this two-mile path that we do in um, Teddington in Bushy Park, and it's from the, the playground. We call it the playground to Teddington Gate. So we start at the playground, we run Teddington Gate, and it's two miles, and I always feel amazing on this, this trail. Um, I, don't, I don't remember ever feeling uh, like having a bad, <laughs> bad workout there. And, yeah, so I, I took myself back there. I just thought this, it's the playground to Teddington Gate that's all I've got home now. And then I'm, I'm done. And um, yeah, it seems it's, it, I think it, it's a little bit of trickery, <laughs> but it's, you know, it seems to at that point of the race, um, you'll call on anything to um, help you get to the finish line as fast as you can. And, and also it helps to make it a more enjoyable experience um, as well yeah yeah no that's awesome and although you kind of call it trickery because it's sort of using your imagination a little bit like you know much like the example before it's it's grounded in truth you know like you have run that path and and felt great every time and the distance is the same and you know you're wearing the same shoes you know like it's kind of the um you have done that before and and so you're building off what you've done before and what you know you can do and, and kind of like um, copy and pasting that across to you know the situation you find yourself in which I think is is an awesome example um mm. I, I want to just ask um another question that that was sent in which does relate um a little bit to some of this but it's more specifically around self-doubt and you know how do you respond to or overcome self-doubt um is there anything there that well firstly you know did you experience um much self-doubt and and how do you how would you advise yourself to overcome self-doubt um in the future based on what you've you've learned um from yesterday's race yeah i mean it's it's funny it's a really good question because none of us are immune to to self-doubt like it's sort of alluded to in and i've kind of hopefully i've always um 
being open about the fact that, you know, even, you know, the best athletes, you know, in the country or, you know, even Olympic athletes have like serious moments of, of, of self-doubt. And um, so nobody is immune to it. It's um, we all have thoughts of what if this doesn't work out? What if I embarrass myself? What if, um, you know, <laughs> what if, what if, what if? And it's honestly, it's, it's for me, it's all about um, coming back to the things that I can control in this moment. And as long as I do that, um, the, the outcome and, and the result will take care of itself. And um, yeah, that, that's as simple as I can, as I can make it. Uh, and definitely there was, there was moments of self-doubt coming into this, um, probably more intense than ever because you know this is some this is so new to me um and you know I said on an interview last week that I'm I'm terrified um <laughs> but yeah I think it's just um it's really natural and normal to be afraid um but it doesn't mean that you're not going to do it it's mm-hmm. just that um, it's really natural and normal to have a, a little bit of fear about something that's um, unfamiliar and um, even with something that's familiar, um, you know, if the, the build-up hasn't been the same or, um, you know, you've been struggling with an injury and there's, it's, it's all around uncertainty and it's all around um, things that we can't control. And I think if the last couple of years have taught us anything, um, living in such an uncertain world, um, it's that it's so important to just um just focus on the things that you can control control the controllables and allow um allow yourself to be curious and uh i think having grace is really important too um because i that there's this you know when you're in intense suffering in a in a race or whatever event you're doing and it's if it's not going well um, those the voice of you know judgment can come up um, more than you know or it can be loud and I think just focusing on you know being aware of that voice and um, you know not trying to get rid of it but just counteracting um, that judgmental voice with um, with you know like a language like a messages to yourself of grace and, and um, a conversation of grace and like like encouraging yourself um, through those moments and, and counteracting those um, those judgmental thoughts with um, this is okay you know I'm still going well and you know I could have fallen apart when I started to gag <laughs> and I could have fallen apart mentally you know and gone um and my mind probably really wanted to go, oh, you idiot. Why did you miss the last drink stop? Why did you just, mm. you know, um, throw down that drink so fast? You should have carried it for longer. You know, that was dumb. And, you know, like all of these horrible things, mm. um, but they're not very helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, but but they'd be quite normal in that moment. 
Mm. Um, but for me, it was about being aware and, and going, no, nah, I'm good. Like, no, yeah. breathe it out and here we go. Yeah. Like it never happened. Rally again. Let's go. Let's push on to the finish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, such a key word you use there is helpful, right? Like I think we have, we have so many thoughts and not all of them are true and not all of them are helpful. And I think so much of the skill is just to notice them be kind of curious and, and almost like, you know, you're, you're detached from the thought when you're curious, you know, she's just like, Oh, look, there's, that was pretty harsh, the harsh one. Um, yeah. My mind went there. It was trying to tell me to stop for that reason. That's interesting. You know, like that curiosity gives you the space mm. to then choose which ones are helpful and, you know, whether you want yeah. to add some, some helpful ones to focus on and then just, you know, to leave the, the others, let them just sort of be what they are and, not fuel them by trying to fight them, you know, and I think that's the the trap that we can so easily fall into, particularly when, when things are really, um, when we're worn down, you know, whether it's through, you know, physical stress, like running a marathon and it's getting hard or, mm. you know, life stress and we're tired. It's like, we can, um, we can lose that grace as you call it and, and that ability to, um, just notice the thought and, and have the compassion to go, ah, it's, that thought's just trying to help me in some way, but that one's not that helpful. So I'm just going to focus on the ones that are, you know, and I think that's such a, a central skill um, for, you know, for life, let alone um, pushing through the last five or 10 K of a marathon, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that, like the, the, that, that line that not every thought you have is true, you know, mm. and I think it's so important to remember um, when you in when you're in moments of like pressurized situations and you're trying to think the most helpful way, mm. um, that not all of those thoughts are true and, and not all of them are helpful, mm. and they're just there about creating space so that you don't spiral, you know, into this place of, you know, writing your own obituary before <laughs> you even finish the race, yeah. um, which is to me before and, and many other athletes I know and you know like it's it's very easy to do um because it's you know you're in like I say I've said it before it's you're in in a place of intense suffering so it's very it's very easy for your mind to go there mm. and to spiral but um I think having grace with that and acknowledging that yep that's there and um moving on with what's helpful and um, and pushing forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, just to kind of close out this, this conversation around self-talk before we get to, um, Rory's rap 2.0, um, <laughs> the, what, what, if you knew a week ago, what you know now, or if you knew, if you were, 16 years old and, and heading into, you know, wanting a career in running, or if you were 26 and, and wanting to set a PB, or if you were 36 and, and wanting to move up to the marathon or, you know, like anyone, you know, if you just, if you could benefit from hindsight in the way that you, you have now, you've got this experience under your belt, what would your message to, you know, to yourself be, whether that's a week ago or, you know, or 10 years ago, um, knowing what it's actually like to to kind of push through be vulnerable and, and get through um an amazing 42.2 kilometers um well 
how would you encourage your younger self or, or anyone um, who's inspired by what you've just done? I'd probably say to myself that you have no idea what you're capable of mm. if you just keep moving forward, you know, if you just keep um, persevering. And I think a lot of times, especially the times when I've felt like giving up, especially when I was getting injured a lot, you know, I, you can't really see a way forward. You can't really see how you're going to break the injury cycle um, and come back and, you know, be able to be the athlete that you, you, you want to be. And, um, but yeah, just, I would say to anyone that you have no idea what you're capable of if you just keep taking that next step forward, the very next step. And that's, that's the only one that you can control as well. You can't control 10 steps ahead. Um, you can only control the one that you're about to take. Um, and it's up to you to, to take it. I love that. And what a, what a great transition into to Rory's rap. Sitting here, uh, having heard, you know, um, this conversation, but also the, the many conversations that we've had over the last few days and then weeks and, and then all the training leading up to this, um, you know, I, I'm, I think I speak for everyone who knows you to just share how proud we are of, um, what you've, what you've just done. Um, but far more importantly than what you've achieved, you know, the time is amazing, but just all of those steps that you took to make that possible, you know, the courage that you've shown and, and always choosing the best next step and, and always choosing to control in the best way that, you know, you can, the next thing that you do, you know, I think that's what's so inspiring about um, seeing that translate into the awesome outcome um, that you've had is that, it shows us what can happen when we are committed to taking the best next step we can in any situation, you know, whether that situation is the disappointment of, miss, of missing out on an Olympics or whether that is, you know, the, the despondency about not having, you know, a race to look forward to, or whether it's an injury and, and the kind of kick in the guts that those, those are and you know, any situation, any, any adversity, you know, I think, you've all you've shown that if you come back to what you can control and bring your true self in the best way that you can to the best next thing that you can control that those steps add up to great possibilities that you can't necessarily always foresee you know like you didn't even know you were going to be running the london marathon until what was it less than a month ago or something like that um, you know, but you were taking those steps and, and training anyway, you know, you were preparing for such a time as this. And I think, you know, that's personally inspiring to me. And, and I, again, I know I speak for a lot of people who share that, that sense that, you know, when we look at our own lives and we're like, okay, what is the next best step for me? Because if I keep showing up, if I keep being true to myself in that way. And I keep just stepping toward what could be rather than being fixated on, you know, everything that's, that's currently happening that we're not um, happy about or that we didn't choose. Like, you know, then 
awesome things can happen. And um, you're such a, an example of that. And so it couldn't happen to a better person, a debut like that um, to, to go and lay out such an amazing, amazing first effort in the marathon. And we know that this is um, just the start of, of a great career in, in that event and, um, and a great extension of, of what has already been an, an outstanding career and in, in running generally. So super excited for what's ahead and, and thanks for, um, for sharing so authentically about um, all the feels that the marathon bring. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, thanks for thanks for training with me. Thanks for being my best training partner <laughs> and doing the marathon build up because um, yeah, it's not marathon build up is definitely not something you want to do alone. So um, yeah, just so grateful. And I have a question for you: Have you run since I left? <laughs> You're not the first person that's asked me that question. Funnily enough, um, it's the it same difference. Yeah. Everyone's wanting to know whether I still choose to run when you're not here. And, um, that is a good question. And I tried to, I actually tried to lie and say that I hadn't, but then I realized that I'd been sighted out on the path by someone. So I was going to do all the secret training while you're away and pretend that I hadn't run in a month. Um, right. But then I, yeah, someone saw me out running. So um, yes, I had. <laughs> I've been training and, you know, I feel like I, I have to keep doing what I can so that I can keep training with you. Otherwise not much of a training partner if, you know, if I can't keep up or anywhere near you on those runs. So um, I'm going to have to find a way to raise the bar given what you've just done. Um, but that's exciting. And uh, while you're in quarantine, I'll be doing the best workouts of my life in an attempt to, to be able to keep up when you get out. So um, I love it. I don't think there's any problem with that. I'm not planning on hustling too much in quarantine. <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to finish my book, and yeah. uh, I think which is in its third draft, which is exciting. And then um, I think we've got a couple of school Zoom um, gigs for Unlock Your Olympic Mindset, don't we? So that, that'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and just on that. Before you go, I know you've got to go to a very important massage, but um, I don't actually. I've got to get a, a car. Oh, to the that's hotel. way less important. Um, just quickly, <laughs> your book is coming out in the foreseeable future. You know, sometime in the next little while. I won't give away any dates or anything, but um, I just want to, you know, get some excitement going about that because you know you've just started a whole new chapter. Like you know, you might have to maybe write a few. Might, might write a few more words in quarantine not just edit uh, the existing chapters so that's it's so yeah. exciting and i'm for one i'm very much looking forward to reading that when it comes out yeah thanks yeah it's it's gonna be fun thanks alzi and uh look forward to our next race <laughs> yeah i can't wait see you mate see ya.